Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Honest Conversations with Alex Cubis, brought to you by Nova Entertainment. In this episode, WGA award-winning writer Gretchen Enders offers a refreshingly honest and commonsensical series of insights about putting creative aspirations into practice and balancing creative self-indulgence with results-oriented focus. We discuss her journey from pursuing acting and discovering improv in LA and working a temp job at HBO, all the way to stepping into the writer's room for Netflix, Amazon, and currently Facebook Watch, and it's billions of dollars. We also discuss whether an award win is an advantage or a hindrance, the challenging sleeping practices of showrunners, her lessons from Oscar winner Martin McDonough, and the perfectly fine answer you can present in a pitch meeting. Content creators and those seeking ways to find confidence within themselves will most definitely enjoy this chat. Um, I'm sitting with a fantastic writer. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Gretchen Enders, and I'm a writer. I'm not going to say fantastic. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you can, you, yeah, we'll just set yeah. the facts and right. we'll let the, uh, the listeners figure out the definition of fantastic later. Um, Gretchen, I start off my interviews with the same four questions. As honestly as possible, finish off these statements. I think, I feel, I need, and I want. Um, I think too much about oh, uh, what would sound good in this moment, okay. probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just a problem in general. Um, okay. I, I need, um, I need to stay vigilant, um, in keeping my schedule. Um, when I'm really busy, I need to make sure that I'm sleeping well and I'm exercising and I'm mm-hmm. spending time with friends. So I need to, that's what I, yeah. currently I'm, what I'm struggling with yep. and I need to uh, really refocus on that. Um, what are the other ones? I feel. I, yeah, I feel and I want. I feel, uh, I feel confident. Yeah. Uh, it's because I've been complimenting you yeah, for the right? past 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just career-wise, for one of the first times—well, not the first time—but I, I reached these like little plateaus of confidence. Okay. And um, we could talk more about this, but yeah. I feel like whenever I'm reaching this this moment where I'm feeling confident, I know that right on the other side of that is going to be a period of not feeling like I know what I'm doing. Cyclical. Right. As so we were I'm, saying before, yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling yeah. excited about what's coming next because it's going to be something big, I hope. Cool. Wow. And then what about I want? Oh, well, I guess I, I want to... You want to be sure that that's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow, cool. Well, it's interesting that you said that you want to be vigilant because we were talking before I started recording this chat that you mm-hmm. are always early, as you were mm-hmm. for this conversation. Yeah. Um... And that, that's how you were raised in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you attribute your success to, being vigilant with time? Um, I guess it's just maybe a symptom of, of mm-hmm. who I am or um, just part of, of who I am as far as, like, not letting balls drop. I like to spin plates. So okay. my iCal looks like a Tetris board, yeah. and I am just constantly – making sure that everything is in place and I know what's coming up. And um, and we talked about the stress of being mm. late, and I don't want that in my life. There's so many other stressors to have that mm. being being late is something I can be in control of. So if I'm on time, that's one less stress in my life. And 
You know, I always have a book with me. I'm like Rory from Gilmore Girls. Okay. <laughs> I can sit in a car for half an hour okay. and be fine. Yeah, right. Um, as you said that you before that birthday party, um, you talked about before. <laughs> um, a lot of people in LA are. It's stereotypically late. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you think that the people that are working consistently or working at a high level are they the exceptions? That LA is just LA as a whole is has a pretty bad reputation for being late. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people that are working at a high level are actually really highly organized. Yes, and efficient. Like for yeah. me, efficiency is such an attractive quality, okay. uh, just in general. Yeah. Um, I don't like to waste time. I don't like to waste other people's time. Um, and in the writer's room especially, there is a lot of like crosstalk because you have to get to know each other and mm-hmm. share stories. But I feel like sometimes when it's like, okay, now it's time to get back to work, sometimes that uh, that doesn't happen. And right. so when it does, like I'm currently on a project right now where it's super efficient mm-hmm. and I love it. And we're also getting to know each other. But, and we're about um, to say that that is a series for... For Facebook. Yeah, yeah very cool. Series. Facebook Watch. Um, if there's some listeners out there who aren't aware, Facebook currently has, I think, billions of dollars to spend <laughs> on content. Yeah. Their own money at they're, it. Yeah, they're moving into the same area as Netflix and Hulu, as Apple is too. Um, you've been in LA 18 years. Yeah. When, how long ago did you first step into the writer's room? Um, it's fairly new, about seven years ago. I okay. moved down here. I went to school in Seattle. Yeah. So I grew up in Colorado. Went yeah, to in Seattle. history? Sorry? Art history or art, history? Yeah, art yeah. history. Yeah. You know, the, the lucrative world of art history. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I loved well, it. Well, how could you turn that career down? <laughs> right, I know. All that curating I had yeah. to do. Um, but I just, I, I loved school. I loved art and I loved history and I loved Rome, so. And your parents encouraged that you were allowed to study whatever you wanted at an yeah. undergraduate level yes yeah uh and then my father is an engineer and my mother worked in finance for the city of denver so they're very left brain or i guess right brain people whatever whatever the opposite of me is (laughs) um but they were super cool like this isn't just about you finding career this is about you learning to love learning and um just this this experience so they were great super supportive um, when I said that I was going to move down to L.A. to be an actress, <laughs> I was a little like, oh, okay. Um, encouraged me to take the graduate record exam, which is the um, the test to get into grad school, just to have something in my back pocket. Okay. Um, How so, long is that eligible for? Uh, I don't even know. The Maybe results? a couple like, of years. Okay. So you sort of had that, like, I'll have the eligibility to go to grad school for a couple of years. Right. Yeah. And in the meantime pursue acting uh-huh. <laughs> which cool. is so funny to me now because I didn't take any acting classes I was like I got this I'm gonna be the next Joan Cusack I'm gonna like this okay. I'm like a six foot tall female Frankenstein monster but I'm like I'm oh be. that's a little bit harsh well but okay <laughs> like that's who I saw okay. like, I was gonna be like the weird best friend or <laughs> wacky neighbor you know like okay. that's who I was gonna be but man I did not have a thick enough skin for acting I lasted maybe Three months? Really? Yeah, before I'm like, this is not... I thought you were performing with Second City for a couple of years, though. Well, that's different. That okay. was, um, at the same time, I, I discovered improv, and okay. I loved it. But for me, it was 
just a wonderful community and a great way to laugh five nights a week. But it, from, it wasn't about being discovered. As an actor, it was right. about learning how to come up with material. Yeah, okay. and it, was, it really was my L.A. family. And we kind of talked like that first year in L.A. was so hard for me. I just mm-hmm. I couldn't find my people. There's just this sea of faces, but I, I couldn't somehow get into where, where the people that were going to become my family were. And it was almost like a year to the day I found this wonderful improv studio and those people are still my family. How did you okay. find it? Um, a friend of mine from college. And the improv studio is called? Well, it's now Shuttered. It was okay. called Bang. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. It was in the Fairfax. It only district. happened recently that they? A couple years ago. Okay. A couple, three years ago. Um, so a friend of mine from college came down to stay with me and her boyfriend's sister at the time was in this show so we okay. were just looking for something to do yeah. and I'd never seen long form improv I'd seen um was it whose lines anyway mm-hmm. on tv I'm like oh that's funny but I'd never seen a long form improv show and I was just blown away and mm-hmm. we went and had drinks with her uh my friend's sister-in-law um afterwards and I was like you got to tell me everything she's like oh they they offer classes here but you had given up on acting by this point yeah I just I mean what were you sort of doing in terms of being in LA what were you interested in seeking out or what were you pursuing or um well I was I was taking scene study classes I guess I hadn't totally given up on it but I just was like auditioning was so terrifying to me I only had a few auditions I never really had like a legitimate agent okay um, and I just, I don't know, like, how am I supposed to do this? Right. Um, and yeah, I just knew that deep down, I knew that it wasn't for me mm-hmm. as far as like being in front of the camera. I mm-hmm. just, you felt I obligated have... to maybe give it a crack. Yeah. A little yeah. bit more. Cause I wasn't ready to admit to everybody that I had given up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And when but... did, did you have that declaration, have that moment where you did say to everyone, or did you just say, oh, now I'm writing and now I'm performing with an improv? Yeah, I'm like, I'm doing improv and people are, oh, how much How much do you get paid for that? I'm like, oh, uh, I'm actually paying for stage time. Um, it's a thing, you know. Um, so, and at the time I was temping. I was temping in an office. I worked tons of waitressing jobs and then I started temping. Mm. And that temp job turned into what ended up being a 10-year-long career what um yeah i got as, a permanent position as what like, uh, i worked at hbo okay as the awards manager wow so there's there's someone that sits in a little dark office and fills out all the paperwork for the before. trophies and stuff uh-huh <laughs> so that was me and i was really you know i was good at it right because it's very detail oriented yeah. and there's you know there's schedules and there's deadlines and stuff so that just worked right into your personality right so wait, is this for like, there's a room with a bunch of these Golden Globes and Emmys and stuff? No, it's like, is, it's me based just for HBO. So I had to know all of our programming, which was okay. super fun. Yeah. So there are like, we participated in like 50 different competitions. I mean, everyone knows the Golden Globes oh, and the Emmys, but yeah. there are these tiny ones too, mm-hmm. um, all the way down the line. So we just, that's what I, my job was. Wow. That's pretty yeah. cool. Do you think that that informed your eventual award wins yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew that uh, if if I ever get the chance, I, uh, I did win a WGA award, and yeah. I was the first one. Like, here's all the information they need because I 
as the awards manager, I was constantly begging people, like, okay, I need this information from you. I need a photo. In terms of bio and credit. Yeah, stuff like that. So I'm everyone's dream when Mm -hmm. it comes to, like, you need information? I got it for you. You're not going to have to ask me twice. Yeah, okay. Um, You're always, you'll be the perpetual front runner for any awards (laughs) in the future. Is that something that you think about? And how do you, I guess I'm curious about success in entertainment or in creating content as an actor, director, writer, whatever, um, I've always been advised and I've developed the view that it's good not to be too results oriented. How do you balance practical reality and being, I guess, vigilant and being task oriented and actually doing stuff with, I guess, pertaining to, uh, you know, creative truth or whatever you're interested in. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess, I guess it's a balance between being too results oriented and being too indulgent. Does that make sense? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, I think seeing it from the side that I did for 10 years, mm-hmm. I realized how political it is and mm-hmm. um, that it's not really about the best show. I mean, a lot of times it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, we're excited when, you know, Get Out wins mm-hmm. best screenplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but also my very favorite show of the last five or six years no one has ever heard of it. And what is I, it? Okay, I'm on a one-woman mission to get everybody to watch this show. Okay. It's called Patriot. Okay. It's on Amazon. Yeah, with... Um, uh, oh, my gosh, he's also Michael actor. Dorman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's gotten um, great reviews. It's... I've seen... I've, I'm now watching it for the fourth time. Well, Australian listeners will know Michael Dorman because <laughs> he was on Wonderland on Channel 10. So he's a pretty well-known Australian actor. He's well, very well, Very well-known Australian actor. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I, I, so people go watch Patriot because it's Gretchen's favorite show. It is. It's so great. And, you know, when the WGA nominations came out, mm-hmm. like, well, if anybody's going to recognize this because it's just so well written. And when that didn't make the list, I'm like, oh, see, it's it's about marketing. It's about, you know, XYZ that has Awareness, nothing yeah. to do with how great a show is. Have and, you found that it actually sometimes awards... They don't really change. Do, do they? Have you found in your experience that they change people's careers? Can they change people's careers? Or is it that people don't really care? Like I've, I've read that recently about the Oscars. Like they're almost a little bit antiquated. They are a marketing push and sometimes they can lead to maybe a slight push in the box office. Um, but in terms of like generating, in no way there are no guarantees, but in terms of really leading to actual work it's it's few and far between yeah and sometimes i think it can also be not a curse but yeah like because it's like a high how do you mm, top that exactly Mm. so yeah personally it's like oh well where where to go from here when it's like it's all it should all be about the work all the time Mm -hmm. you know am i doing the best job like not thinking down the line are we going to get a golden globe for this like Mm. no let's it's also who cares because you don't get necessarily you don't get money unless i don't know you would know the awards win do you get money not from that organization, oh, okay. but you can like work it into contracts. You're right. Okay. But, like, no. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Negotiated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, so, when did the ten years at HBO in the awards room finish? That was. Um, and is it we also cut you off? I'm having oh. like I just have this image of you. I still have the image of you in a room with a bunch of like trophies behind <laughs> you. <laughs> That's not what it looks like, right? No, no, okay. no, no, no. All right. When I say like a little dark room, it's because You're taking I taking selfies with. <laughs> No, I had actually, I had probably 
just an extra Peabody over okay. that no one had picked up. Okay. And that was in a closet. Like, right. no, I had just... One of Larry David's mini or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah, it was okay. basically just DVDs just stacked around me that I okay. had to watch. Right. Um, I know, I, I, it's, it was more like office space. You know, the guy that's relegated to the basement <laughs> with the stapler. That was, picture that. That was more how my life was. Um, <laughs> so when did that 10 years finish? Uh, that finished about eight years ago. Okay. Um, I got to the point where I was still doing improv. and um, so this was your five days a week job and then improv at night? Improv at night yeah. and on the weekends. And, I, you know, by the end I was kind of like helping run this little theater. And we started to do this little group. We started to do sketch comedy. And those sketches just got longer and longer. I realized I was writing TV. Mm. And... Um, I, I just didn't know what I was doing at HBO anymore. I I was good at my job, but I could see the next 20 years and every day looked the same. And I was talking with a friend just the other night, and she described uh, our kind of people in a way that I hadn't thought about it, but we're circus folk. And I was like... Do you mean are? entertainers? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I never really thought about it. Like, yeah. oh, we are circus folk, you yeah. know? Instead of traveling from town to town, we're traveling from project to project. And I realized that was what was missing. I needed to just leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have another job set up. I gave HBO six months notice. And um, and I'd saved up all this money. And I was like, I'm just going to have to figure it out. So I was going home crying every night. Just like my boyfriend said, you know, we'll just, we'll figure it out. Okay. And my mother at the time said, look, just do it. The universe will either give you solid ground to walk on or wings to fly. And well, that right. is a nice yeah. thing of your mom to say. But also just a nice saying. I like right, that. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's true. Like if you take a big risk, something will happen. The net will appear. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the day before my last day at HBO, uh, the guy that ran the theater where I performed for all those years he and his wife are my LA family uh he's a showrunner and he said hey I have this new show starting on Cartoon Network come be my assistant so it was like I mean I had a day off and then I was off to the races with him and and he was and this my, is for your first writing credit mm-hmm. what's well, sorry remind me of the show again it was a live action show yeah. on Cartoon Network called Level Up yep and um, he was my mentor in improv, and he's been my mentor in writing, and we're really close friends, and we're writing something together now, hopefully. Um, so he was a showrunner during the time when he was also running the theater. Yeah. Wow, that's like mm-hmm. two full-time, two big jobs. Yeah. Cool. And I, so that's a great first... example of an entertainment person, probably, who's always on time, or at least oh, yeah. is just busy all the time. Busy all the time. Yeah. And as his assistant... That was also great to know, too, yeah. like, how he blocked his time off. And, like, he had these hours every day for his family, you know, and these were his hours, and these are the hours that I could schedule meetings for him. So. What time would he get up in the morning? Or at least, from your experience, what time do you share well, when he get up? he is a different... I need eight hours of sleep. Okay. Like, that is non-negotiable for okay. me. How are you asleep? I'm pretty bad. I mean, last night, I... I think I got like I think I've been oversleeping, so I was like oh. nine. Like I still woke up looking so tired, and I probably got nine hours sleep last night. Yeah, listeners, he looks terrible right now. <laughs> <laughs> you look fine. <laughs> well, is maybe you, you don't know what my default is, no, so it's I, could, I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My body's still adjusting a week later. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so showrunners, how yeah. many hours? Of he sleep only late? sleeps like four or five hours a night. Wow. Which I wish I could do because you can get so much more done. Yeah. 
but I just, that's not, that's not so how I'm built. Yeah. yeah. I can't do it. Okay. Do you want to be a showrunner? I do. When we're cool. talking about confidence, like, mm-hmm. I think I'm ready. Like, okay. I've, I've had some great bosses. Peter was one of them, Peter Marietta, and Luke Matheny, who worked on Gordimer, which is where I met Alethea, another And Gordimer Gibbons' Life on Normal Normal Street, Street. which is an Amazon original kid show uh, that Gretchen wrote. How many episodes for? I think six or seven. Yeah, and it was for that show that she won her WGA award. I did with Aminta Goyle. Very cool. Yes. Um... So that's something that you think is in your future, the near future, like in the next couple of years? I think so. Cool. I'm hopeful. I would knock on wood, but I don't want to mess with your sound. No, that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I really do think that, that uh, it's something that I want to I wanna jump into. When um, did that aspiration become clear to you? And did you ever think that when you were watching, working at HBO, could you... If you went back and told yourself, working at HBO, that you would either be a showrunner one day or definitely have the confidence now to do it, given that you've now won a WGA award, would you have believed yourself then? Well, and, and again, like we were talking about with awards, the WGA award doesn't necessarily mean that you right. have the skills to be a showrunner. Right. Um, I have always thought of myself as a soldier, which is neither good nor bad. That's okay. just kind of like with sleep, like that, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really good at, at, um, taking, taking orders, taking and orders and doing, well. yeah. yeah. Um, I thrive on that. And, um, but just, yeah, only recently did I realize like, Oh, I want to be a, a bigger part of like developing the culture of a show. Um, and surrounding myself with people that are smarter and better than me Mm -hmm. to make you look really good. (laughs) Um, Did you do that already? uh, I try to. That's why we're interviewing each other, right? Right. Because we probably have the same strategy. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's the way to do it is just to to surround yourselves. With people who are better than you. Yeah. Yeah. And you learn off each other. Yeah. And I feel like I've been on enough shows and I've met enough people that I'm like, okay, these are the people that I want around me. And I've, I've kind of, we've, been building this tribe and like okay it's ready to take this tribe out and mm-hmm. and make our own stuff so so uh, seven or eight years ago you started on level up uh-huh. and then you jumped around from project to project yes at what point did you get representation as a writer and how did that um, come about let's see it was so I was an assistant to Peter to the showrunner on level up and mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, depending on the showrunner, if you are an assistant, and I would encourage any um, aspiring writers to try to get a writer's assistant position because that's where you learn the most. I okay. Mean, About scheduling the process, everything, or? Um, well, I was also his personal assistant, but I was also in the room. So you mm-hmm. have a writer's assistant who's taking notes. Oh, wow. And just to learn about how a room works mm-hmm. and the flow of it and how to pitch you know, I'm, I'm a comedy writer, so how to pitch jokes, um, how, like, story structure works, it's fascinating. And it's the best way to just kind of be in a corner mm-hmm. and taking it all down and just, just taking it all in. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, depending on the showrunner and your abilities, they will assign you a script. And I'm not saying that this is in every case, but uh, I was paired with our other writer's assistant, so we wrote two together the first season and then I was assigned a solo on the second so that got me into the writer's guild because you need to have so okay. many credits right before you're 
Okay. So that's a that's a that's a good entree in, and I yeah. think I was like, man, if I would have had to do it all over again when I got to LA, I would be a writer's assistant. But Straight I realized, away. Yeah. Yeah. I realized that that ten years that I was was necessary, as well as performing with an improv troupe. That was how you found your voice, probably mm-hmm. creatively. Exactly. Yeah. Was there going back to that? Sorry to sort of jump around mm-hmm. in the timeline, but over the ten years of you performing. Almost, for, would I say, for fun, more than anything? Oh, was, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't really like, not like I'm going to be on Saturday, Saturday Night Live in five years. Like no. It was just a part of your life and you're being creative. Was there a point, maybe two years in, three years in, where you realized I'm really good at this or was it just constantly evolving that you weren't really tracking your progress? Um, there were times where I felt like, especially towards the end, there was I was in a group with uh, two other guys and we were kind of like the house group. And we were kind of like the seniors, you know, Uh, we were the cool ones. um, And that felt like I was really good. But now I see other improv and I don't remember being able to be that quick. It's a, it's a completely different muscle that you need to be working all the time. Definitely. Um, Because sitting in front of a computer and working a section of dialogue and making it as funny as possible is, is one thing, but like to be able to come up on the fly with it. Yeah. Have you ever seen Improvised Shakespeare Company? Yeah, or online, but not in, uh, not in real life. If it, it's, that's that's like next level. Yeah, they're just yeah they're working at it. Yeah, yeah, completely different level than I ever. Um, have. so the scripts that you wrote for Level Up that mm-hmm. was was that on spec or was that part of your job as a writer's assistant? Like that was you, part of my job. Okay, so in the time, so you wrote that that got you into the w, WGA, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing that led to literary representation. Not even then. Oh, okay. Um, then, oh, so I guess I'm, I'm thinking about this differently. I, I had a, a spec script that a, f- a dear friend of mine had given to, he worked in development at the time, and he had given it to his friend who was starting out as an agent mm-hmm. at a smaller boutique agency. And so that's how I got that. So it wasn't even through Love The Love. job, right. Yeah. But and it was just... You had this. You had the spec script mm-hmm. ready to go. Yeah. So on the weekends, you were writing your own material in between jobs. And what was the spec script for? Um, well, and hopefully we're going to be making it. Oh, cool. Um, it's called Grand Lake, and it's about. Oh, this is about. I read about this. Yeah. 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 This is about the two frenemies. I guess. Yes. Do you want to? Yeah. Give us the description. Uh, it's about these two uh, older middle-aged women who have a deep dark secret that they share and they kind of they just rip each other apart I guess I can tell because it it's, it's yeah. in the second episode but they've agreed to kill each other's husbands and only one of them has gone through with it dark. so it's kind of the fallout of that wow and um, okay, very dark yeah and was that that I read about that that was in a press release about I think two years ago yeah that was, was that attached to a studio yeah me? IFC uh, yeah. bought it okay. and then they brought on a24 okay. to um, to help manage it and they're all amazing but wow. ended up not going forward okay but, um, how did that process so you had that script with a development exec or an agent for many years yeah. before IFC picked it up yeah it was kind of like a, a calling card like this yeah is, right this is who i am in script form this okay. is what you'll get from gretchen okay it was like yeah. your show reel or whatever yeah. but for a writer mm-hmm. how many do you think do you have as a writer would you recommend to other writers to have on your desktop saved ready to email off one that you just one really good one one yeah that you really feel is you mm-hmm. um 
and then just constantly be working on other stuff because once you do get representation, they're going to ask for new stuff every year, every two years. So okay. just be, yeah, working. I know that some writers say you should be writing every day, and that's not who I am. I read every day. Okay. I constantly take consuming, in. and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't force myself to get in front of the computer and do anything really great every day. So okay. but as long as I'm. Just re reading for me is the most important. What was the genesis of Grand Lake? Like, um, what was the kernel that sort of allowed you to write it? Uh, my mother and I are very close, and she was telling me that as, uh, you know, she was in her 60s at the time, early 60s, um, that she was starting, to, or she had started to feel invisible, um, which would seem really sad, mm. but she she saw it more as a superpower. Oh. Um, she was like, you can pretty much do whatever you want as an older middle-aged woman. Yeah. And... By that, does she mean like steal stuff or... Yeah, or just get away with, with almost <laughs> Saying anything. Saying things. Yeah. This is like the point at which you, you don't care about what people think anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And, okay. it, there, and, and I'm feeling that now too. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Most of the time, and we're like, I don't have to worry about, like, right. being attractive to X, Y, or Z, or, you know, to feel like I'm a part of this cool crowd, and it's mm -hmm. this freedom, it's like this just huge weight um, that's lifted, so. Has that informed your creative process, too? I think so. Yeah. Oh, maybe more in, like, choosing who you is get to work part with. of my tribe, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, like, oh, I just, I'm just choosing really great people who I am drawn to in a real way as opposed mm. to like oh this would be a good person to, to help me to. out in a couple of years yeah or, exactly yeah. and that doesn't work because that's that's too results oriented i right. guess yeah yeah so your mom said that she was feeling invisible and mm -hmm. you just sort of took that to an extreme and was like how would this manifest in the script so yeah and i talked to yeah. um uh, the friend that and eventually passed the script on to this uh literary agent mm. He is a huge Martin McDonough fan. He introduced oh, okay. me to him, to his plays, years and years ago. And so we started talking about this, like, dark underbelly. And so together we kind of... As in, wait, correct me if I'm wrong, the director behind... Uh, or am I thinking of someone different? No, Three Billboards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he wrote, um, I can't even remember what it's called, but this this trilogy of Irish plays. Okay. Um, the Beauty Queen of Lenan and The Cripple of Inishman. And I can't even think of that the third one now mm -hmm. but they are so dark and funny and just will just you know, slap you silly uh he's really great um and so that's what we we decided that, that was kind of our sensibility and mm -hmm. and we really agreed on that so he just kept pushing me he's like keep doing it and i'd done a version of this open this there's a really long opening scene long mm -hmm. for television it's like seven pages oh, okay of just these two women in a car and he just kept pushing. He's like, this is something. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Keep pushing. So, yeah. Right. So it's also about finding people that are going to, like, pull that and out of you. And shepherd you and realize what is working within you. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. And why do you think that you've ended up? Is it just because of what your first opportunity was with working on Level Up that that's why you've continued working in kids' television, even though you've obviously got a darker sensibility with your work? Um, that has just been... Because you have a joy in your personality that I think translates clearly to the work that you've had, but then you've also got this other side, so. No, yeah, I'm definitely a, a darker, a darker person. Um. <laughs> okay, the personality would rely that, but we'll, we'll, 
well. And also your self-casting is a Joan Cusack, a wacky neighbor right. type. Oh, man, I was working on a Joan Cusack impression for years. But um, <laughs> uh, that just happened. That was just the trajectory of my career, my early years. You just take what you can get and make okay. the best of it. Um, and I, I was so lucky with Gordimer. I mean, Level Up was great, too. Mm. Um, but Gordimer was super special in the stories that we were encouraged to tell. And um, I just think about my first drafts. I would turn into my wonderful boss, Luke, if you're listening, Luke. Um, and he would be like, what is, I can't do this because it would be super dark oh, okay. and funny. And I'm like, okay. Luke was working at Amazon? Yes, he okay. was our showrunner, Luke okay. Matheny. Um, and, but he, he could sense that I, was, I always wanted to go darker. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as a group, we would lighten it up and make it a little bit more kid-friendly. Okay. Uh, and then after that, that yeah, was Take My Wife, which was, uh, yeah, so now I've just been working mainly with yeah. adult women. Yeah, <laughs> right, cool. Because Grace and Frankie had that same yeah. kind of like older middle-aged yeah. women that yeah. when they read Grand Lake, they're like, oh, you can do Grace and yeah. Frankie. So how does an opportunity like Grace and Frankie come up? And the episode, The Knee, uh-huh. season... For episode nine. Wow, yeah. yeah. I couldn't even pull that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, for you listeners out there, that is uh, the Netflix show starring Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. If you've heard of them. If you've heard of heard of them. Yeah. I mean, maybe you've heard of them. I don't know. <laughs> um, and like, I think there's a guy called Martin Sheen in it too. I think, I think that's right. how you say his yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so how does an opportunity like that to write an episode for them come about? Um, that... So I was hired on for season four. So I was in the room. Oh, you were in the writer's room the whole time? And yeah. that was through your agent that got yeah. you a gig like that? Well, and it was, yeah, the Grand Lake script. And okay. There's something that's, that right. they feel is like, oh, this would be great. For yeah, because that, okay. So again, mm-hmm. to any writers out there, cultivate one awesome script that is <laughs> a reflection of, or an extension of your creative vision. What right. would you, what would you do if you could, did you write it sort of freely? Like write it without the constraints of, a budget, you would just like want to, if I could write anything. Right. And then the, your agents can use that to basically pitch you. Mm-hmm. And I think cool. most most of those early samples, you shouldn't think of, can this be produced? Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, if you love sci-fi, write the biggest sci-fi you can think of without thinking like, oh, could this actually be mm-hmm. made? Because you just want to show people, this is my voice, This is these are the things I care about, this is the way I, you know, I perceive the world. Um, because chances are, like, Grand Lake is, is an anomaly. Like, if, if it does get made, that's really strange. Um, mm. but I don't know. I think that the marketplace would facilitate something like that. We'll say when it gets made. Thank you. Yeah. When it gets made. Yeah. Um, but, for instance, like, my boyfriend is a screenwriter, and, and he writes these big epic, uh, or he had this, uh, his last script was big and epic because he didn't constrain himself thinking like oh can somebody make this he just wants to show people this is who I am as a writer okay which I think is really important and then you know people will get assignments and yeah and you might not be able to write exactly what you want all the time mm, because you're obviously but, writing for an established show as right. in with Grace and Frankie mm-hmm. so how did you find that pro how do you find the process of adjusting your voice to suit the voice of an existing show um, well, as a soldier, I think that that's yeah. yeah okay. I like personality doing that. trait. Yeah. Okay. Plus, I mean, that was a really that was the biggest room I've ever been in. There were twelve of us. Um, so the process is you all you're you're breaking the season 
together and you're breaking each episode together and you're basically doing the outlines together and then those outlines are assigned to writers. Right. The writers will then write the script and bring it back. But it, you know, I, when we are talking back to awards mm. again, you know, like mm. when it's like um, best comedy episode mm. and, you know, Tina Fey, well, Tina Fey is a bad example, but like whoever it is, um, you have to realize that most, and, and comedy mm. rooms specifically, they're it's a collaborative ex- yeah, exercise. Everybody yeah. has there's everybody's fingerprints all over everybody's scripts. So it's not like just one person wrote that. Yeah. Even though you're credited with it. But right. yeah. That's more for, for money stuff. But right. um yeah, I mean, some of the best jokes all of the best jokes aren't <laughs> mine in my script, you know. Other right. people wrote those and yeah. but it really is like this familial, like we're all make we're all there to make the best possible show and it, there's I hope it wasn't my experience. There was no ownership mm-hmm. over like, oh, that's my joke or that's my script and like get out of my script. There was never, there's never any of that. Mm-hmm. And if there, if you ever experience anything that run, that's <laughs> not, that's not the place. Okay. How long in between, how long breaks do you have between uh, staffing positions in writers' rooms? Um, and what do you do in that time? Do you still work on Grand Lake or are you trying to come up with other material on your own or... Yeah. What, I'm guessing I'm asking this question to sort of uh, refine some advice that you might have for an aspiring content creator mm-hmm. and what they could do and how, how, how they could manage their days. Yeah, uh, I have had big chunks of time in between. Um, I think between Level Up and Gordimer, there was a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was like almost another year between Take My Wife and Grace and Frankie. And then I had another six months. This, so it, it is like, it's um, for someone who worked for so long, mm. knowing what the next day. month looks mm-hmm. like. Yeah, um, that, that's been, um, t- that's taken some getting used to. And I encourage everybody to just, uh, to kind of um, embrace that. Mm-hmm. And when you have time off, really use that as a time to recharge. But again, I need to be vigilant. Like I need to have these, uh, I need to work on X today and I need Mm -hmm. to work on Y tomorrow. Um, so I have right now I have six other projects that I'm working on in addition to my, um, my day job. So, you know, it is, it's a lot of juggling, but it's just, you know, it's keeping those synapses firing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Gotta keep, keep productive and, any any particular practices that you would recommend to other people that you found have worked for you, whether it's like meditation or reading for the first half an hour of each day or getting up before a certain hour, anything that you found? I try um, to keep the same schedule, so I try mm-hmm. to wake up at 6.30 every day. Okay, wow. Um, <laughs> early for me. I'm a little older than you. It'll yeah. come, it'll come. It'll come eventually. <laughs> When I love those, I admire those people that can get up that. I want to be able to get up at that time. Oh well, I remember in college, like I signed up for an eight thirty class one semester, and I was like, "Well, that was the stupidest thing. I'm never going to go to that class." Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, but you know, some people work better, and I'm better Mm -hmm. in the mornings. Okay. I love a long hour, two hour walk for me. Like if I'm preparing for a pitch, or if I'm Mm. having a story issue. I do this too, like when I go to acupuncture, 
I go in with like, what story point do I need to figure out? And an hour later, I can usually have it figured out because I have this, I give myself a little assignment. Oh, so in, when you go into acupuncture, yeah. like, so you've got your mind working. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so with pitching. Yes. Um, <laughs> tell me, you've got very serious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me tell you about pitching. <laughs> this is the pitch voice. <laughs> is you, tell me about the pitching process. Uh, it's terrifying. Uh-huh. Um, Did it remind but, you of auditioning? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like the nerves that you got. But you don't see other, do you see other writers in the waiting rooms before you go in? No. Yeah, it's not that. Uh, Scheduled and right. yeah, regimented um, or whatever. But but there are people sitting across a table just staring at you. How many? Like how, what's the biggest number of people? Like two or three. Okay. That's the, you know, the biggest number I've had. And they're usually executives. They're not writers themselves. So they're Correct. not the head. So they're the, they're, they're the right brain. Uh-huh. You're the weird left brain. Yeah. And how long do they go for, usually? Um, Well, it it varies. Like, for a project that I've already written a script for, Mm -hmm. those, for me, are better because it's more of a conversation. So they've they've already read. They Mm -hmm. get the idea of tone and who these characters are. So now we're just having... They have a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, For a project that there is no script for, that's a lot of song and dance and, like, you know... I'm doing some Fosse stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you have to lay it all out. So those can go for 40 minutes. Oh, okay. 45 minutes. Um, and is it just you with your voice, no pages in front of you, or no, like, PowerPoint presentations or anything? It's just you sort of explaining it to them? Uh, it it vary. I mean, it, yeah. I've, I've heard that it, it can really vary. I've had pages just because the idea of me zoning out and mm. forgetting where I am. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. But I have it pretty memorized, or okay. at least, like, in a way that you want to sound conversational. You don't want to sound rehearsed. Yeah. Because um, you need to know it better than anyone, right? Right. Yeah. And you need... And I love it when they will, like, stop me and ask a question, because like, that gets me out of zoning out. Mm. Like, then I'm really Because then you're present. not on um, autopilot. Exactly. Yeah. So what's the biggest curveball that you've been thrown in a pitching situation in terms of a question or has there ever been a weird question or once one that you weren't expecting thrown at you um uh, this one right here (laughs) 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 Um, yeah i can't nothing uh specifically um nothing specifically comes to mind but i guess it's um not having an answer for something okay but i've also felt that I've learned in my old age that saying I don't know is is a perfectly fine answer and it can kind of put the other person at ease too. Yeah. It's like that's still a working progress. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a, a non-finite answer could be good because it shows that there's room to grow. Or, exactly. Or yeah. the, and they can also have a voice. And like, yeah. that's a, I never thought about that. I, I get can't to show to my be. contribution mm-hmm. as an executive. Yes, which they love to do. <laughs> they're secretly all yeah. left brain. Uh-huh. they want to be yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> what do you find in auditions do, you, do does stuff jolt you like that too uh, if I'm not prepared it definitely does mm-hmm. but questions don't usually I don't know it's, it's just a bit random yeah. sometimes I guess because you can think that you do horribly and then end up booking the job yeah and think that you really smashed it and you don't yeah 
it's disappointing, but that's just how it goes. Has that ever happened to you? You've really, you've felt that it went amazingly well and you've never heard back from a meeting? Um, this uh, last round of pitching I did, um, for me, I, I felt like I knocked a couple of them out of the park. But that felt more like a, a personal victory. Like, right. I did it, man. Yeah. I left everything on the field. Yeah. So if they don't call, that's this, you fine. just went through staffing season recently. Is that um, what's this happening? Was or? For, no, this was for a project that um, ultimately didn't. We didn't sell. Okay. Um, but they, this production company, had an idea, and they called me in to pitch on my idea. Oh, there. okay. Right. So that cool. so sometimes that can happen and. Mm-hmm. So this was something totally new for me to pitch not from a script, Mm -hmm. to just pitch the idea. And so when we left and I felt like I did my best job, I was like, great, I'm Mm. done. I don't, you know, (laughs) if they buy it, that's gravy. Like I just, I made it through that whole pitch without passing out and, you know, without sweating through my shirt. So nice. uh, Yeah, that was a victory. Are there anything, any pieces of advice that you would give to yourself 10 years ago and five years ago? Or anything that you would change or do differently? Interesting. Uh, probably just relax a little bit more. It's going to come, you mm-hmm. know. Just keep just keep plugging away. Um, Did you think that there were, there, there were times that you didn't think it would? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I still think, like, what, what happens if the rug gets pulled out for me? What mm-hmm. am I going to do? You know, I guess, I guess I could find something to do. Mm-hmm. I'm... I can, you can do the awards. I can do some awards. Who needs some awards? Netflix I'll now? Do the paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's always other things, but um, yeah, that it'll come. That, mm. that you just have to have, I don't know, confidence. Get confidence, stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. What, how about you? What, what advice do you give your younger Calm down. Self? Calm down, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty universal thing, I think, uh-huh. is to just be like, just chill out a bit. Or don't worry so much about the future mm-hmm. and just focus on day by day. And yeah. then I think that speaks to your suggestion just with finding vigilance day to day with the practice. Mm-hmm. And then that's all you can really do. Because the only thing that's real <clears throat> is the present moment. Like it makes sense to obviously be prepared and understand where you're going. Like, is this the smartest decision? What about, you know, obviously something as stupid as like, buying like you know putting yourself into twenty thousand dollars of credit card debt that's just a stupid decision right yeah um but really like we can't control the future we can only do our best now Mm -hmm. so and that will take care of the future and i guess having trust in that because it will it will be fine yeah and no one's gonna die but then also the flip or the the other side of the coin to that is that everyone dies anyway right exactly so who cares yeah yeah and that's the point at which you get to the what your mom was talking about with the power of invisibility Mm -hmm. and not caring so much so i guess i would just sort of try try and encourage my former self to adopt that mindset because that would be very powerful yeah yeah and surround yourself with good people yeah i think Part of that being vigilant is making sure I I take my friendships really seriously, mm-hmm. um, and I you know invest I'm not, relationally. Yeah, yeah, and, and they've you know because then you get stuff back, you get the love back, mm-hmm. get job opportunities back. Too. Yeah, you know, like there's yeah. also people like I want to work with you again. Yeah, so, legitimately, yeah. like and not just like oh that person's gonna help me out. Or, no, yeah. yeah, like there's people like I just love being in a 
because especially for writing, you're in mm. a room with these people sometimes 10 hours a day. Mm. Like, that's a lot. Um, and not even like in an office situation. You're in just a room <laughs> across a table from someone. Mm. So you want to be with people that you care about, that you, you know, you want to be with. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's, yeah, it's building those relationships. And now I have a whole bunch of people that I know that I want to be with. Yeah. Yeah. So... Cool. Well, is there anything different to what we started our conversation with, with I think, I feel, I need, I want, now that we've talked about your career and life? Is there anything? I really want one of my shows to go. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you, I think like we've dug deeper into your passion. So it's like, yeah, yeah you're just like, oh, I sort of want like, no, you I'm want ready. it. Yeah. You're ready. Yeah. Finding that confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anything else? Thank you so much. Ah. I was so nervous coming into this. No, I think, guys, I'm sure that you listening out there agree that Gretchen gave a fantastic interview, Uh not just about the entertainment industry, specifically for any aspiring content creators out there. I'm sure that you guys enjoyed this, but also if you're not in the industry and you're just learning about cultivating a unique point of view and finding confidence in yourself, um, I think that was a very good example of that. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um... (laughs) We'll go and find out Joan Cusack impression yes. after this. Um, thank you so much, Gretchen. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time.